Well, we keep talking about discipleship as we go through this, this book of Mark. And I'd, I'd like to keep emphasizing that uh, as disciples, uh, each one of us is uh, a minister. If I, was, if I was to ask you how many ministers do we have in here, you know, uh, probably wouldn't be a lot of hands that go up, but there should be. Probably every one of them should go up. Uh, you know, we minister in different, different ways. Uh, there, there are a million different ways. What, what does the word minister mean? Servant. Yes, we, we serve each other, not only in the church. You know, definitely we serve each other in the church, but we serve each other in the home. We serve each other in the, the workplace, in the, in the community. And so, you know, Jesus' emphasis is, is on servant, servanthood. You know, he came as a servant, and as he is, so we should be. And so uh, each of us has a, uh, a contribution to give to, to others. You know, not only do we serve each other, we, we serve the Lord. And, um, you know, we, we serve with the, uh, with the gifts that, that God has given us, you know, as, as the Holy Spirit has, has sovereignly given us each a gift or, or multiple gifts. You know, I think a lot of times we tend to think in terms of what we don't have. You know, we don't have enough time. We, we don't have enough money. We, we don't have enough training. We, you know, I've, I've, I heard one person say at one time, well, I don't have the gift of mercy. Um, a couple Sundays ago, we talked about how when Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them out to, uh, to preach, to heal, to cast out demons. He told them to go out with very little. Remember that? He said, you know, go, don't take two coats. You know, just go out very, very minimally. No extra food, no money. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you. I, I'd find that very uncomfortable. I'm, I'm a person who likes to plan things out and make sure that I'm, I'm well equipped. But he was teaching them to trust in God's provision for them. And today we, we see him continue to teach his disciples this, this very lesson, uh, starting in Mark chapter 6, verse 30. And uh, he teaches them and, and us you know, what's involved in, in ministry, what's involved in, in being a, a servant. This applies to all of us. And, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to pull out three things from, from this text, three things that are, that are required in ministry. You know, ministry requires resting in Jesus. It requires giving of ourselves, and it requires trusting in Jesus to do great things. So let's, let's read the first few verses here, starting in 630. <clears throat> Remember, Jesus had sent the, the, the disciples out. In uh, <clears throat> verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all the things they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they were, they, they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. And so, you know, first Jesus calls us to uh, be with him, to rest in him, to be in communion with him. You know, sometimes we, uh, we need to recharge. 
Jesus sets the example here. So Jesus' life followed a, a pattern of ministry and then alone time with the Father, just kind of, kind of a rhythm. He ministered to people. Then he, then he went away and, and spent time alone with, with the Father in prayer. You know, Jesus um, had this, this rhythm of, of being spent and then spending time in rest. And, you know, we got to consider Jesus was fully God, but yet he was also fully human. And as a human, he was, he was subject to hunger. He was subject to uh, exhaustion, just as we are. And, uh, you know, we've, we've seen that he's constantly ministered to these, uh, these crowds of people who, who pressed in on him. We've seen also that he would go off by himself or with his disciples for, for rest and communion. Uh, Dr. Jones, he was uh, one of my professors at, at DTS. He, he calls this, this rhythm Jesus' pattern of, of, like, breathing in and breathing out. You know, after... After the miracle where Jesus feeds 4,000 people, which we'll get to in a moment, it says in verse 46, after he had taken leave with them, he went up on a mountain to pray. Jesus himself needed rest. He needed this time of in, in communion with the Father, you know, quiet time where he could hear from the Father. We've seen this passage also that, that Jesus desires the same thing for his disciples. You know, notice the first thing the disciples did when they finished their mission and, and they returned to Jesus to converse with him and tell him all the things they'd done, all the things they had taught. You know, it doesn't really say what they talked about. You know, I'd imagine uh, they probably had plenty to talk about, talking about their successes, their their failures, you know, how, how their needs had been met. Jesus had told them, you know, don't don't go out with much, you know, and, and I'm sure they were pretty excited. Well, Jesus, you know, you, you wouldn't believe it. The, these people who we ministered to, they, they provided for us, uh, you know, how the needs had been met, how the message had been received, uh, the, the amazement at the, the miracles that were accomplished by him through them, how the demons had been cast out, how people had been healed, you know, maybe also how the message not only had been received by some, but had been rejected by some, you know, the the disciples wanted to be with Jesus and then share this. They were pretty excited, pretty excited about it. And so the, the disciples had just come back from this ministry. They were yeah, there's there's this energy that's that's derived from the work of ministry, uh, but there's also a a physical and an emotional demand as well that, that's placed on them as well. Uh, Jesus recognized that they needed rest, so he said, he invited them, "Come away with me. Come with me, and let's let's get away and rest." And uh, the Apostle Paul gives us a a picture of the demands of ministry in, in 2 Corinthians. When we look at um, 2 Corinthians twelve fifteen, he says, I will gladly spend and be spent for your souls. 
Paul's not complaining here. He's just, he's just stating a fact. He's just stating the way things are. You know, just as people pressed in on Jesus and his disciples so much that they didn't even have time to eat, you know, maybe uh, we also need to withdraw sometimes for the uh, demands that are, that are placed on us. You know, this, this, this cycle is, is God's design for, it, for us. And it's, it's designed for us from the beginning. You know, even from the, the book of Genesis, the, the account of creation. You know, God created the, the world and everything. He created the universe. And, and what did he do at the end? He, he rested on, on the seventh day. He set a precedent for us. He set an example for us. You know, he, he created us with a, with a need for rest, a, a, a need for knowing that um, if we don't take care of that need, uh, we're, we're going to suffer for it. He commanded his people in the Old Testament to work for six days and, and rest on the seventh. Yes. Yes. Yes, the Sabbath, the seventh day, the Sabbath, the day of rest. And so, you know, this was, this was for our own good. Remember what Jesus said, uh, you know, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It was for our own good to give us rest. And, uh, you know, most of us hopefully do take a day of rest and, and we should, we should savor it. We should take this time to, uh, enjoy God, to, to be with Him, to commune with Him. You know, we, we all need rest. We all need recreation, uh, a, a time to, uh, to recharge. You know, we, we all need to have a, a rich inner life with, with our Lord. You know, Jesus, remember back, back earlier, he, he called his disciples, what did it say, to be with him, to be with him and to preach and to cast out demons. So let's, let's look at this word with. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Come with me. Come with me and let's get away and rest. So Jesus is trying to get away with his disciples to a, to a solitary place. And uh, they, it says they hadn't even had time to eat. Uh, you know, it seems that the only time they get to rest is this, this short amount of time that they spend on, on a boat on the way to the other side of the lake where they're going to get busy with ministry again. Let's pick up with verse 33. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and they began to teach. He began to teach many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, "This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy them something, or, you know, so they can buy themselves something to eat." And he answered them, "You give them something to eat." And they said to him. Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And when, and when he, commanded them all to sit, he, he commanded them all to sit in groups on the green grass. 
And so they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of pieces, bread pieces, broken, and, and the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So it's 5,000 men plus lots of women, children, lots of people, lots of folks uh, he fed with, with those few loaves. You know, Jesus calls us to, to give of ourselves when we minister. When we minister uh, to others, we minister through our own limitations. You know, it, so it, it appears that the uh, disciples' period of rest here had been pretty short. It was cut short because the people ran ahead so that they were there ready to go when Jesus got to the other side of the lake. You know, Jesus is trying to get away for a little retreat with his disciples, and he sees these people, these people who need God, people who are so far away from God. You know, how does he respond? He didn't turn them away. He didn't say, sorry, guys, we're, we're having a retreat here. You know, he, he responds with great compassion. It says he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on them, and he began to teach them many things. You know, our, our ministry needs to come from that place of compassion. You know, I, th- I think sometimes we, we look at people wrongly. We look at the world. We look at people with, with their issues, with their, their troubles. You know, we see the sin that is in the world and, and so much in our faces, so so much of the time. And, you know, we, we, we run the risk of making a, a big error. We run the risk of seeing people who are under, under the bondage of sin as our enemies. They're not. They're captives of our enemy. You know, Jesus looks at them. He sees these people. And he looks at him with compassion. He, now he's teaching them. He, he becomes a shepherd to these lost sheep. And he feeds them with his, with his teaching. Now, remember, the, the disciples didn't get as much rest as they would have liked to. They hadn't eaten. It's getting late. Jesus is there. And they, they say to Jesus, Jesus, we need to, we need to send these folks away so they can get something to eat. You know, it's the disciples themselves hadn't, hadn't eaten. There, there's a word that I, I learned from my wife and my daughters called hangry. <laughs> you know how some people get kind of uh, emotional when, when they need to eat. You know, that's probably how they were. They were getting impatient. You know, they'd like to eat, and they're telling Jesus, send them away. But Jesus wasn't ready to send these people away, was he? You know, rather than dismissing the crowd, he tells the disciples, no, I'm not going to send them away. You feed them. And, you know, we, we often think about 
how, you know, we, we, we think we know how things should be done. You know, they're telling Jesus how to, how to handle this. They're telling Jesus how these people's needs need to be met. You know, and our, our own version is always, or, or not always correct. You know, a lot of times we, we like to leave ourselves out of the, the solution. You know, the disciples thought, well, they should just leave and, and take care of their own needs. But Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And could you imagine what they're thinking? Like, yeah, okay, how? How are we going to do this? We, you know, we ourselves have any, we don't have anything to give them. We don't have any money. There's 5,000 men, women, and children besides, you know, maybe, maybe 10,000 people. You know, it's going to cost a fortune to buy that much food. I mean, it was, it was bad enough when, when our kids were approaching young adulthood and they'd bring their friends over and, you know, it's like, well, how are we going to feed all these, all these kids who are uh, invading our, our house? Anyway, they look incredulously at Jesus and they said, should we go and spend 200 days of wages, you know, 200 denarii, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in, in our terms? You know, Jesus responds to their skepticism and he says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. That's pretty amazing if, if you think about it. You know, here's, this is a very significant question. How many loaves do you have? You know, Jesus wants us to invest our resources as limited and as meager as they may be. You know, Jesus could have with... Just words, uttered words, or a snap of his fingers or whatever. He could have had a happy meal in in each person's lap. But he didn't do that. He said, I'm going to involve the the disciples. You know, he, he uses the resources they had, the resources they were able to gather, which were five loaves and two fish to feed 10,000 people. And then it says Jesus gave a blessing or he gave thanks, depending on which translation you use. Uh, the original literally says he blessed and broke it and gave it to them or, or gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Huh? Two fishes. They had five loaves and two fishes. Not much food. Do you see the significance here? Jesus used the disciples to meet the need. He asks them to use their resources. He, he takes the food they give him, you know, which, which really would only feed a, a very small fa- fraction of, of the crowd. He takes it and blesses it and he uses it. And he, he multiplies it miraculously to feed this, uh, this great crowd of thousands of people. You know, um, this reminds me of another story story of of Moses in Exodus chapter 4. Many of you remember this story. Moses has been told by by the Lord, you know, you're going to go to Pharaoh and demand that he let my people go. Moses chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, What's in your hand? What's in your hand? 
And he set a staff. And God said to Moses, throw it on the ground. And he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. And he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You know, Jesus asked the disciples, how many loaves do you have? He asked Moses, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? You know, can, can God take something that you have, something very small, very meager, and do something very miraculous with it? I think he can. You see the application here? You know, can, cannot Jesus perform a miracle with our limited resources? You know, maybe, maybe we don't feel that we know enough to be able to, pre- to present the gospel story of, of Jesus Christ to a lost person. We talked about that last week. But you know what? Jesus can take your testimony as small and insignificant as it may seem to you, bless it and, and work a miracle. You know, I came to Jesus... He came to me and called me, and I, I received him when I was uh, six years old. You know, I've, I've heard some amazing testimonies from people about how God saved them from, you know, the, the, the depths of, of sin. Well, I was just a six-year-old. But, you know, God has used that, that very simple testimony to impact people. God can take our meager resources, the things that we see as small, and bless them and multiply them. You know, maybe you don't feel you have enough time to, uh, to fellowship with, with other believers. Maybe, maybe you don't feel you have enough time to spend in communion and, and prayer with God, reading the Bible. You know, maybe you're jealously guarding the, the time that you have. Maybe you don't have time to serve others. You know, do you, do you trust that Jesus can take the short amount of time you have and bless it and multiply it and perform a miracle? You know, is God asking you to use some limited resource, time, money, skills, talent, energy, you know, all all the things that that we lack, gifts. Can God take these and and use them to minister to others? You know, can you you trust him to take what you have and bless it and perform a miracle? So he's asking us, you know, how many, how many loaves do you have? So the entire crowd eats. And, uh, you know, this, this is kind of amazing. Uh, just the details in the story are kind of fun, I think. You know, it, it's, he feeds them and, and there's food left over. How much was left over? Twelve baskets. That's one for each disciple, a full basket. They didn't have anything, really. And now each, 
you know, just, just from the leftovers. He's, he's not only ministered to the entire crowd and fed them, but, you know, the disciples are, are being taken care of too. You know, they have more than they began with. Verse 47, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he'd taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. So, you know, before he, he told the disciples, let's get away. Now he's, he's getting away from everybody and just by himself getting alone with the Father. You remember this, this pattern, this rhythm. Minister. Spend time in prayer alone with the Father. Now in the, uh, the next session... Uh, Something something is said that you know you, you need to think about a little bit when when you read it. You know it might seem strange at first glance. Maybe maybe it doesn't, but it falls into place when we remember how Mark is over and over in this narrative uh, showing how the the disciples were long on fear and short on faith. Jesus calls his disciples to trust in him. You know, the question is here, where is your faith? Remember when he calmed the storm in, in chapter 4, he asked his disciples, why are you so afraid? You know, have you, have you still no faith? We each need faith. You know, we each need to look past our fear and look to the Lord in faith and trust in him and lean on him. So verse 47, when the evening came, the, the boat was out to sea. And he, alone, he was alone on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for all saw him and, and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. It's that, that last, that last uh, phrase there, they did not understand about the loaves. So here's the disciples again crossing the lake. You know, again, they're, they're fighting the wind, making very little headway. Uh, it says it was the about the fourth watch of night. The, the Romans divided the night into uh, four three-hour segments, and uh, the, the Jews had adopted these divisions. The fourth watch was the last part, so it's late. It's uh, the last part of the night between 3 and 6 in the morning. So these disciples are out on the lake fighting the storm very, very late, very late. Uh, you know, there have been times when... Uh, We've all probably been there, you know, where we we travel in the in the wee hours, and you know, just just sitting there driving wears you out. Well, they're they're working hard. It's after three. Jesus come. Here comes Jesus. Uh, it says he meant to pass by them. Now, this doesn't mean that he meant to bypass them. You know, he he did not mean to to avoid them. Uh, he did not intend to 
uh, ignore them. Uh, he, he, what, it, what it means is um, the, the exact opposite. It means that he meant to pass near them. It was his intention to, you know, kind of intersect their, their path there. It says he came to them. He chose his route across the lake so that he would come alongside them as they struggled. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a deeper meaning as well. Do you remember when, uh, when Moses was tucked away in the rock and it said that the presence of the Lord passed by and, and God reveals himself to Moses. He reveals his, his glory to Moses. You know, so we have this, the same language of, of passing by also with, with Elijah you know, there's this roaring fire, there's a big storm in the wind, and there's this, this still small voice. You know, this, this phrase about passing shows up in those instances in the Old Testament where God reveals himself. He reveals who he is as God. And so now Mark is using the same phrase. Jesus passes by them as he walks upon the water. You know, he's revealing himself as God. And, you know, apparently they weren't expecting to see Jesus walk along. They, they were scared. They thought he was some sort of apparition. They, they didn't recognize that it was Jesus. Um, I've got to admit, it probably would have weirded me out, too. But Jesus, Jesus says immediately, immediately to them, Take heart, it is I. Don't be afraid. And I imagine even once they recognize this Jesus, uh, their, their hearts are pounding. But Jesus didn't, didn't pass by their boat to frighten them. He, he came to help them again. And once more, Jesus calms the storm. The wind stops. Once more, they're astounded at what Jesus does. I find it interesting. It says they were utterly astounded they did not understand about the loaves, but their heart, their hearts were hardened. So this this verse ties these two events. You know, remember Mark Mark just weaves the narrative. You know, he takes one event and you know makes it pertain to, to the next. That's what he's that's what he's doing here. The story of Jesus walking on the sea while the disciples were crossing the lake, the loaves, the feeding of the people, the disciples didn't understand about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So what does this mean? You know, it makes sense once we remember that Jesus or Mark is over and over showing about how the disciples failed in their faith how they lacked faith, how they don't completely understand yet who Jesus is. You know, think, think back in the Old Testament, in the, in the wilderness, when the Israelites were, were wandering, the people were hungry. God fed them. He took care of them. Remember, he supplied them with food. He supplied them with, with manna, you know, bread from heaven. Uh, it was a miracle. You know, they would gather this, this bread each, each morning, what was needed for the day, you know, except on Friday. They would 
gather some extra for the Sabbath. So we have something similar here. You know, these people are in the wilderness. They're hungry. Jesus provides bread for them. And remember when Jesus calmed the storm earlier, he does it again here. You know, he's, he keeps doing things that only God can do. Mark is showing us over and over again that Jesus does things that God does, that only God can do. He's God made flesh. And so as, as, as such, you know, it, it's obvious to us that they should uh, put their faith in him. But it wasn't obvious to them at the time. It says their hearts were hardened. They lacked the faith. Somehow they were resisting. And instead of calling out to Jesus for help, they're, they're afraid. You know, is that, is that something we do? You know, Jesus has saved us. He's forgiven us our sins. You know, because of God's great love for us, if we receive him, we become his children. We've seen what he can do over and over again. Yet, sometimes we lack faith. Sometimes we, we fail to call out to him when we, when we find ourselves striving against the wind, just like the disciples. You know, the disciples did not understand about the loaves. They didn't learn the lesson about God's provision. You know, Jesus had asked before, do you still not believe? Jesus calls us to, to trust in him. Well, let's finish briefly by looking at the, the last section in this chapter, starting with verse 53, where Jesus continues to minister to the crowds. When they crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the, the whole region and began to bring sick people on their beds to wherever he, or wherever they heard he was. And whenever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So I think Mark is drawing a contrast here. He's drawing a contrast between the disciples and their lack of faith. Drawing a contrast between that and the faith of these people who are seeking him, who are seeking their help, his help. You know, and Jesus heals them. Well, in closing, you know, we're, um, we're shown in this, this passage the, the life of discipleship and ministry that Jesus desires for us. We're, we're called to be in communion with him, to, to rest in him. We need to follow Jesus' example and his command to rest, to spend time with him. Second, we're called to uh, minister, to be servants, to, to do things for other people with what we have, our limited resources. You know, our resources will, will never be enough. You know, we're, we're always going to be in a place where we need to put ourselves in, in Jesus' hands. 
but he, he asks us to give him what we have. You know, how many loaves do you have? Or, or to Moses, what, what's in your hand? He can bless it. He can, he can do great things. He can do miraculous things if we but trust in him. And that's the third point. We need to have faith in him. This is essential. We, we can put our trust in him. We must put our, our trust in him. Rest in Jesus. Give yourself, give of yourself and trust in Jesus to do great things. Let's pray. Lord God, we, uh, we want to give ourselves to you. Lord, let us know you as the, the loving Father you are. Let us, let us find our, our rest in you, our, our peace in you, our salvation in you, Lord. Uh, let us trust in you to, to take what, what little we have and offer it up to you, Lord, to, to use for your glory, for your purpose. You you tell your people in in the Bible, Lord, so many times, don't be afraid. So, Lord, take our fear and turn it into trust, Lord. Just as that one guy says, Lord, I, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, strengthen our, our trust and our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen.